mine when I married. He looked up again, his blue eyes sharp. Do you mean to say that your annual income is insufficient? If that's the case, then we can certainly adjust. No, she said, interrupting him. She placed her hand on his arm, though she wasn't sure why the muscles underneath his jacket sleeve felt taut with concealed tension. My annual income is more than adequate, but it won't be enough to build a new orphanage for those sweet children in Sacramento. I want them to have every convenience, and I can't do so without that reserved money. Clay leaned back, breaking her hold. So you would marry a complete stranger, he asked as he crossed his arms, in order for the orphans in Sacramento to have a better home. Why did he seem angry? Georgie fell back a step, raising her chin in defense. It isn't as strange as it sounds. Women have chosen to be mail-order brides for centuries, and for far less compelling reasons, she added. Age being one of them, I'm twenty-two years old. She turned away as a feeling of longing welled up within her. In many people's eyes, I'm practically a spinster, and yet... I'd like to be a wife and mother. Her cheeks grew warm at admitting such hopes to Clay, but he needed to know her mind was made up, especially since he would no longer be using her home as his office once she married. The thought of not seeing Clay on a daily basis caused an ache of a different sort. Their long-time friendship would have to be sacrificed in order for her to marry, but if she could help other orphans— now that she was one herself. One's not so fortunate as to have been born to a father who'd made his fortune during the California gold rush and who'd loved his wife, Georgie's mother, every single day, even after she'd passed away. My mother was a mail-order bride, she tossed over her shoulder as she approached her desk. Yes, but your father told me that she did so in order to better her station in life to keep from being a lady's maid forever. And I'm hoping to better the orphans' stations in life. Georgie picked up the picture, sitting on her desk's front corner. Her parents and her ten-year-old self smiled back. She and her mother had shared the same honey-colored shade of hair and hazel eyes, but Georgie's height was all from her father. Would any man want a tall woman with more angles than curves as a wife? Georgie replaced the picture. It's true. Mother wanted more than servitude for her life, but father said he fell in love with her the moment she climbed out of the stagecoach. Mother said it only took her another hour to realize she could love him for always, too. Of course, Georgie didn't expect instant love, even if her parents had found it. Mutual respect and affection would do for her, with the hope that love would grow over time. If her parents could make marriage to a stranger work, she certainly could too. Clay pushed back his chair and stood. As your personal advisor, Georgie, I can hardly recommend this as a solution to— He gestured around the room. To help young orphans or fight loneliness. She drew herself up, though she still stood a head shorter than Clay. That is why you are my financial advisor, not my advisor. 
in matters of the heart. His frown deepened as he ran a hand through his brown hair. Be that as it may, your father charged me to look after you, not just your money. Precisely. Georgie flounced into her chair and slid a clean sheet of paper in front of her. Which is why I want you to narrow down the selection process. I beg your pardon? She pointed her pen at him, emphasizing each word. I want you to choose the most suitable men out of those who respond. Me, he choked out. I thought you said I'm not to counsel you on matters of the heart. You also said father made you promise to look out for me. She smiled sweetly at him. Which, in this endeavor, means I need your unbiased, objective opinion as to whom I should begin correspondence with. Clay raked his hand across his...